When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. We're going to welcome in Coach Norid. I hope I said it right, but I probably didn't. Um, oh, you did. He's the O-line run game at University of Louisiana Lafayette, or known as the Raging Cajuns. I tell people, they go, what? I'm like, Raging Cajuns. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the University of, you know. And so, Coach, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Um, you said, we, before I hit record, you said things are going good. You had a nice little vacation. Now you're back in the office. Um, how do we feel going into the to the summer and, and to camp? Really good. You know, whenever we uh, got done with the bowl game, you know, our players got a couple weeks off and uh, for the holiday break and, and came down. And, and when they got back for our, uh, you know, uh, winter workouts and the winter conditioning aspect of it, you know, they, they really saw a lot of improvement with the physical development of, of everybody. And then, you know, you know, going into spring ball, you know, that's always just a, a more, you know, isolate the, the technical development of those guys. And, and uh, I tell you, we had a great spring. Um, we've got a lot more depth this year. There's a lot of guys that were really young. Some guys kind of missed the majority of the season last year. Well, they're uh-huh. now healthy. And, um, and so a lot of those guys uh, uh, showed significant improvement from, you know, day one of spring to, to day 15. Uh-huh. And then, um, and then, uh, you know, going through the summer, you know, Coming back after you know vacation this past week, uh, seeing these guys walking around, they're they're different. And mm-hmm. you know, our, our strength coach Connor Neighbors and his staff, man, they, those guys have done a phenomenal job of of getting these guys uh, looking the way they're supposed to look. And I know they're feeling good. Our guys are excited, and and just you know every, every step of our program that uh, that we've gone through from the start of the year till now. You know, there's been a very significant, you know, increase in the development uh-huh. of uh, not only, you know, the older guys that we're going to count on, you know, for the majority of the snaps this year, but the younger guys that are going to be the next man up, so to speak. So I'm, I'm fired up, man. I'm ready to get this thing going. And uh, and um, I know um, from the guys that I've talked to individually, you know, we've got a total different team vibe. Uh, uh-huh. The overall team confidence is different. 
and uh, they're they're ready to play. They're they're ready to get going. So, which is a, a night and day different than the, you know where we were at this time last year. Yeah, because that's a place where I was going to say Raging Cajuns are known for football. I think like it's known for winning. Yeah. It's known for you know doing all that stuff. So, um, when you first got there, I think I read what three years ago. I think you've been there. Is this your third year there? This is my third season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you got there, was that was that was there that expectation of like we can't. You know, we're a winning program. Was there that expectation? Oh yeah, you know, before I got here, they they'd had some some really good years, uh, and uh, they were kind of right on the verge of winning that championship. You know, there's one year they they got in 2019, they got to the championship game and lost, uh-huh. and then in 2020 because of COVID, that game got canceled. So um, the you know jumping in here, the, the overall you know vibe of the whole team was was very confident uh-huh. and uh, they, they they were out to get to get that championship you know they knew they'd been close they knew they were capable of doing it and uh you know go, go to texas in week one and didn't really play great you know texas won but after that won 13 games in a row and uh-huh. ended up being a really special season yeah because uh, I, I watch always watch raging cajuns because i love the names so i try to watch them and I'm like, yeah, that looks like a good program. Then you research and you're like, oh, they've always been kind of sneaky good, you know, like not talked about, um, which is an exciting – when you walk into a place like that and say, we win, that's actually kind of exciting. There's no pressure. It's like exciting. Like, okay, we win. That's that's the standard and that's what we do um, because I've been on that word. The big word I've been searching this offseason is like culture and that word gets thrown around all the time and so I've really looked at it. So like when you get there, you're with the O-line. Um, how do you command like the standard of your room and the standard of the run game stuff? Like what would be like advice to younger coaches? Like you have to command that room. So like, how do you develop the standard and everything there in your well, room? You, you, you have to build trust. Um, you know, when I first got here, you know, these guys have already had success mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of those guys, uh, and had had a lot of, um, you know, won a lot of the awards and all that stuff. So, you know, my deal was, you know, hey, I'm not just coming here to try to keep this the same. Uh-huh. I'm going to show you guys how we can make it better. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I, I was very honest about, you know, how I felt about where they were as individual players. And it was very specific about, hey, this is our plan to get you where you need to be, really get you guys over that hump. And, uh, you know, at first it, it was it was kind of tough for some of these guys because, you know, again, they had been used to doing certain things a certain way. Uh-huh. They had a lot of confidence in that way. And, uh, you know, I came in here and, and had a totally different way of, of teaching the fundamental aspect of it and a totally different process of developing that. So at first there was a little like, hey, well, who is this guy? What is he doing? But, right. you know, you know, slowly, you know, but surely over time, you know, they start to see, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying this. Yeah, this has worked. Yeah, uh-huh. we're getting better here. And then that's how you win the room over. That, that, that's how you build that trust. And uh, once that got established, we, we were we were rolling. I uh-huh. knew we were going to have a special year. I did the same thing. I got hired in the COVID year like an idiot. I was like, oh, let me take this in summer of 2020. COVID can't last that long. And, well, then we saw what happened. Um, but I was that crazy asshole that came in and was like, you know, they never had a true O-line coach, which I think there's not a lot, I guess, because uh, this is I'm going into my 14th year. I've been co- I'm about to be 33 years old. I've been coached since I was 19. I walked on at EIU, got my ass kicked, said, this is enough. You know, it wasn't for me. I started coaching and I came in and every time I moved around, it was, well, we need an O-line coach because guys were just doing it. And the only thing they coached was, hey, just hit them. And I was like, well, there's a lot more to just 
just hitting people. It's how do you get there, the technique and everything else. So when I came in, I'm like, we're going to be an inside zone team. We're going to be this. We're going to be this. And this is how we're going to do it. It took a while. And that's why I think I was talking to you today. We looked pretty good. It's finally getting there. It took a couple years, but it's finally like looking the way it should. And um, I had to do the same. I had to command that room. And like, I found myself always given a reason why. You know, like kids question things nowadays. And I think so now it's if I come in and I say, we're going to do this because this is what it's going to happen. They respect that more than just telling them we're going to do this because I said so. Like they need that confidence in you that it's going to work. Uh, that, that's one thing that, that I, I've, I've found early on in my coaching career that that you really don't get the best out of your players or the best you know sense of urgency or focus, whatever you want to call it. If you just say, hey, do this because I told you to do it. Uh-huh. Um, that doesn't work. It's important that your players know why. Why are uh-huh. you doing what you're doing? And uh, and and that that's that's how I approach it. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't ever come in like you know the old school drill sergeant and, and just you know ranting and raving and all that. I, I'm not into that. Um, you know, I approach this like a teacher of a game. That's yeah. how I am. And, you know, we've all had that saying. We've heard that saying that uh, you know, if I only knew then what I know now, how much better of a player that I would have been. Uh-huh. Well. I approach this as hey, I want my players to know what I know now so yeah. that they are the best they can be. Uh-huh. And so, you know, even in the meeting room, everything, I, I like to be very interactive. I want them to ask questions. And if you get that silence, I'll ask them questions. Hey, why are we doing this? Why do you think you're, you have to do this? Why does your foot have to be here? Uh-huh. Why does you think, why do you think your hand has to be here? Just to make sure that they're, they're really focused on the why. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I, I just think that helps out with the, the overall understanding and um, and the buy-in and the development. Yeah, because I remember when I played, maybe when you played, you just did it. You were just like, oh, this is what we do. And, like, I didn't know what a fullback was when I played a line. I didn't know what was going on behind me. I didn't know what a gap – like, sadly enough, it was just like I didn't know what a, one technique was. I didn't know what this was. Then when I started doing it, I'm like, let me try to teach them what a one technique is. Let me try to tell them, hey, on power, this is why this looks this way or – you know, because when I were on power, it used to be it has to hit a B gap. Like it was 44 power. It's got to hit here. Now I'm like, it might hit A gap. It might hit B gap because I got to teach you where the techniques are, how the gap moves. And like, like you said, if I knew that, I would have been a lot better as a 19 year old head, uh, coach. But I didn't know that stuff. I had to go out and learn it. And now it's like, now I got to try to tell them. And now I got linemen saying like, oh yeah, that's an RPO if they're set off watching. They know what an RPO is. And I'm like, man, when I was your guys' age, I didn't know what that was. Like, it wasn't a real thing then, but like, I wouldn't have paid attention. I wouldn't have understood all that. You know, I, I think it's important to teach players the big picture. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, when I played, it was, hey, here's your assignment, yep. right? Here's what you do right here. That's all you got to pay attention to. And I never had a real sense uh, of the big picture. And so when I first became a student assistant in Arkansas, I had a lot of learning to do. I didn't know anything. Uh-huh. And um, and so now the way I approach this is uh, whenever I install a play, you know, I, I install not only just the individual assignments, but I want them to know what their role is as it relates to the big picture uh-huh. and uh, and what the answers are. You know, if there's any threat from either side on the perimeter, hey, here's our answer. Hey, you guys got to handle this. Oh, Nate, don't, don't worry about it. Quarterback and receivers are going to handle this. Uh-huh. And this is why. And, uh, you know, when I was at Alabama, I got to work with, uh, with Jeff Stoughton for a couple of years, and I thought he did a really good job of teaching um, the offensive line, um, you know, pre-snap recognition, what the defense was going to do. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and even now, you know, our very first meeting, we go into game week, 
I teach the offensive line what the defense is that we're about to face. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll spend 20 to 30 minutes and I'll pretend that I'm our opponent's defensive coordinator and they're the defensive players who we're playing. And I install the entire defense um, formation adjustments, how they set the fronts, uh, the run fits uh, versus inside plays, outside plays, how they play the gap scheme, they box it, they spill it. Um, I install their pressures, uh, you know, how, how the pre-snap keys are the pressures. Uh, how do I, how do I identify different tips like that? Mm -hmm. And then we come back um, and we, I'll install our run game plan. I'll start with that. And it's okay. Now you guys know what we're about to face, what this defense is. Now, here's what we're going to do. Now you know why we're doing what we're doing. And um, and it's, it's been great to see that, not only just with the run game, but protections as well, because you know, your players really get excited about learning more about the game. They yeah. really do. And uh, and what I've learned is that a lot of guys will get excited because you know, you'll be watching them and go, hey, coach, what about this play? Can we run this? You know, yeah, we can. You know, we can run this, and I'll go to the head coach and say, hey, listen, let's throw this in the game plan. Yeah. And they get so excited whenever that's in the plan. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. you run it or not, they're excited because they have a sense of ownership. They really contributed you know, to what we're doing that week. And then sometimes I'll say, you know, yeah, that's a good idea, but here's why we're not running it. Okay? Right. Here's why this is not going to be as good. And it helps, their, it helps their overall knowledge of the game. And, and one thing that I found, you know, I did this when I was at Ford Atlantic, and, I, and obviously I've done this in my time here in Louisiana. Um, it's a lot easier to make adjustments when the players come off off the sideline. The mm -hmm. communication, what you're talking about, it, it, it's a lot, lot more productive. You know, for example, you know, we'll come off uh, after the first or second series, you know, one of our guys say, hey, coach, you know, uh, these guys have shown this, we worked this, but hey, you know, this is something that are new they're doing. Hey, what do you think about making this call? Well, yeah, go do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I, you know, I, I trust them. Now they know what's going on. You know, I trust them to, hey, if you see something different, hey, you, you've got uh, an assortment of calls in your, you know, quote, tool bag. Hey, you don't have to necessarily come and ask me. You see it. You know what to do. Mm -hmm. Go make the call. Let's go cover it up. You know, and uh, and I, I just think that it, it helps. It helps you during the course of a game. You know, when you do face a defense that does things differently, you're not winning until halftime to try to fix something. Right. It's fixed now, and it helps that process uh, uh, go a little bit quicker, and and you you can you can get back ahead in the game a little bit faster. Well, that goes back to if they know why and they understand the big picture. That helps. That's the perfect communication to come off, which I had to learn too, and I'm learning it again this year because there's times where my mind switches. I'm like, nope, you got to do it the way I told you to. But then you think about it, like, well, Steve, you're not the one out there playing. They're seeing it, and if you keep things simple enough, when they come to you, they're like, hey, we're we're, we're deucing here and we're getting here, but then they're doing this. What if we call this call where I'm solo blocking or whatever it is, and you go, hey, if you think you can do it, go do it, and we're going to see if it works. And then they start to trust you, and then they communicate better, and then – I found then they communicate better in school. Then if they can talk to me as an adult, then when they get to class, then it translates to that, which is what we want. We want them to be good yeah. people. And it just, then they feel more comfortable to get out of their shell a little bit and then all that stuff. And that's why I think offensive line meeting rooms are the best, in my opinion. That's just me because we have our own language. Um, I have a few screws missing, so I'm bounced all over the place. But then you joke with them, like, and then they'll joke back with you. And they're more comfortable. And then I go to like a quarter, no offense to our quarterback coach, but you go in there and everything's like, what the hell were you like? I'm like, oh, you got to have some fun. Like, whatever it is, talk about going to a buffet. Like, hey, go block that guy like you're running to the buffet, man. Come on. Like, what are you doing? Or, or something. 
Now, I've, I've experienced the same thing. I've been in, I work with a lot of different positions uh, throughout my career. And, and, and there, there's sometimes you go into meeting rooms, it's a little too uptight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the way I like to do it, yeah, I, I want, you know, my meeting is to be a relaxed learning environment. You know, I want that to be very interactive uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, when we come out of that meeting, it doesn't matter what I know. It mm-hmm. only matters what they know. Yep. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that, that setting and that environment's a little bit different. Uh, than what we do on the field, and, and and our guys are really mature competitors. That they know when, hey, it's time to it's it's, it's time to kind of you know be in that more learning mode versus all right, let's buckle our chin strap. It's time to go to work. They they, they mm-hmm. get it. Well, because um, I saw you uh, present at the clinic in Chicago this year in Oak Brook, and I was like, this guy has high energy. I love it. And I just sat there, and the way you presented it, I was like, I can imagine that's what the meeting room is: high energy and it's fun and. Our head coach asked me, where are you at? I was like, oh, I'm in Coach Norwood's thing. Come here. So he came and I was like, see how he's presenting? Look how excited he is about pass protection. And our head coach goes, I love this. And I was like, you see why all of us all line coaches are like this? I said, I'm not the only one. <laughs> and I respected that. I was like, this guy's high energy. He loves it. You know, this is, you know, I, I love talking. This is my hobby, right? I mean, it's, yeah. this is, to me, this is not a job. I love talking ball. I, I, I love it. And, uh, and uh, so I, I naturally get excited about it. But one thing I learned early on in my time at Arkansas um, is that you have to, as a coach, you have to kind of present and simulate that level of excitement and energy because your players are going to feed off you. you know, if mm-hmm. I come in the meeting, I'm like, all right, here we're talking about inside zone again. Mm-hmm. Right, let's, let's talk about this TE twist, how we're going to pick it up again. Well, the players are going to get – they're going to feed off that. They're going to be checked out and be like, you know, hey, let me look at their watches. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. Um, you know, great example, you know, when I was at Arkansas as a GA – uh, we hired a, a defensive coordinator named Reggie Herring. And, uh, you know, Reggie was a great high-energy coach, and, and he brought it every day. I mean, yeah. every day. And, and I just always thought, man, this guy's just – just he just he just wired up all the time. And and what I learned from him was it wasn't like that all the time. You know, mm-hmm. there's sometimes that he and I would walk together after the practice field, and he'd be like, oh, man, my back hurts. Just, oh, man, I didn't get my sleep last night. I'm kind of tired. I just, oh, man, I got to – really get my mind right. But as soon as he hit that practice field, he's ramped up and ready uh-huh. to go. And, and he, he simulates that excitement and enthusiasm because, you know, just learning from him and seeing that, you know, the players feed off you, they uh-huh. feed off that. And I think it's really important that coaches always be mindful of that. You know, hey, there's always certain times in the season or maybe it's in the middle of fall camp where, you know, Hey, we're tired too. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's, we're all dragging too, but man, you always gotta, you always gotta be ready to go. And, and the way I always looked at it, from, from my standpoint is, you know, you know, whenever I walk in the room, I'm always trying to win the day. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to win those players over every day. And uh, I think that a lot of coaches um, think that, hey, I've got this job title now. You know, I, everybody's going to have to respect me and listen to me and do what I want. It don't work that way. That, mm-hmm. That's not that's not life, man. You got to go in there and and every day you got to you got to earn it. You got to earn the players' trust, their respect, and you got to bring it. You know, we we expect them to practice and compete at a high level every day well as coaches you got to do the same thing mm-hmm. your players got to see you that way because if they see you taking a day off they see you just over there chilling well that's what your players are going to see yeah. and they're not going to trust you they're not going to be as body and so i think it's really important to kind of have that yeah uh, it happened to me today i got there i'm i got up late today so everything was thrown off you know it was one of those days you woke up a little bit late you're dropping everything you're, you're throwing off i get to school Head coach is like, what's up? And I was like, nothing. And, I, you know, you throw stuff down, you're in that mode. Then as soon as I got out to the field, some of the kids I could tell were, like, in a bad mood. And I was like, they need to laugh. So I go over there and start joking. And immediately it's like, now I'm back. 
And just because I hit the field, I had walked on the practice field. I could, I, I immediately, I could tell the kids were tense. Some of the other coaches were tense. I was tense. And I was like, screw this. We're playing football. We get to be out here. I had that mindset. I'm trying to get into that mode. We get to be here. We get to do this. Like Chip Kelly was on a podcast yesterday and he said, don't cry on the yacht. Cause he's like, we got it made, man. Like we got it made. Why are you crying? People have it worse. And so I was like, brilliant. So I'm out there. I'm like, guys, we get to be here. You, you, you could be at a job right now working. You got the rest of your life to work. We're on the football field, man. Like, you know, uh, some kids don't get to do this. Some kids got hurt. Like some kids are not an opportunity and blah, 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 blah. Let's have some fun and joke around. And now I'm back. Like it was immediate, you know, and, and they, they were, I, we feed off each other. If they were in a bad mood, I started to feed off of it and vice versa. And so then the old line, we get down there and we start joking around and, and then what started to happen was they started to coach the younger kids. I had my seniors coaching the younger kids. Just It was just this big thing today, and that's why I was in a good mood. I was like, this is it. Like, it's coming together. Like, you know, uh, and so it all works that way. But that's why I, re- I respected you watching that. I'm like, he is so excited to be presenting to us coaches and, like, talk to us like we weren't five. He was like, talk to us like we were players and adults, and I loved it. And that's why I was like, I got to talk to this guy because he was all about it. Like, I loved it. I was like, this is my guy. Loved it. I appreciate it, man. I, I really appreciate it. Um, so, like, for you guys, so, like, you've been at different places. What, before you got to, to where you are now, was there anything big you were taking from those places and say, this is what I'm going to mold myself into, especially early on? Like, when you're trying to learn, then it finally clicks, like, this is who I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to coach. Was there anything big from those places you brought to here? You know, I, you know, I got very lucky. Um you know, early on to get some great opportunities to learn from some great coaches. And, uh, you know, of course, I started out, you know, I was a walk-on at Arkansas. Um, and uh, really, truth be known, the reason why I walked on is because my goal was to be a high school coach in the state of Arkansas. And I thought that if I just walked on, I was a part of the team, mm-hmm. that uh, that I would put that on my resume, and that might help me, you know, be a marketable candidate to get a high school job. And so that's why I walked on. And, uh, and so – before I, my time at Arkansas, I had transferred from another school. So by the time my eligibility was up, you know, I still had some, you know, you know some school work to do. And before I got my bachelor's degree and, and my last, uh, my last year, um, I remember going up to Houston Nutt, who was the head coach at the time. And, and uh, I said, Hey coach, man, do you mind writing me a letter of recommendation that, you know, I could copy and put with my resume. So when it's time for me to go out and go to interviews, I, I can have a letter of recommendation. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. He goes, but when do you graduate? I said, well, coach, I still got a couple more years. It's still going to be a while. He goes, he goes no, 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 you come help me out. And so that's how I got into college coaching. And uh-huh. that, that one moment completely changed my life. And, uh, and, I, and I will always be forever grateful for Coach Nutt for that opportunity. And, uh, you know, uh, was there a total of five years to as a student assistant. And then uh, he hired me on as the on-the-field GA and uh, worked with the offensive line, tight ends, and special teams, and, um, you know, uh, helped out a guy named Mike Marcuson, who was our offensive line coach at the time, and and uh, we had great, great running games uh, at Arkansas at the time, had great running backs, you know, Darren McFadden, Felix uh-huh. Jones, Peyton Hillis, um, you know, was there when the I, – I got to I got to a front row seat to, you know, listen to those guys create the Wildcat offense and that <laughs> whole thing and see how yeah. that came together, which was – you know, which was an unbelievable experience for me. And, uh, and then, um, you know, after my time at Arkansas, you know, when uh, Coach Nutt left and, and went, to, went to Ole Miss, I had a chance to go work at Alabama 
at first as an off-the-field GA uh, and then later got an analyst role and ended up doing that for six years. And, of course, in my time there, I got to learn from so many different people. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Joe Pendry you know, helped me get the job there. And I um, uh, got to work with Jeff Stoughton for a couple of years, Mario Cristobal, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Groh, Burton Burns. Um, obviously, Lane Kiffin was there uh, my last year there. Uh, Doug Nussmeyer, who's one of the most brilliant uh, offensive minds I've ever been around in my life. And uh, just a lot of a lot of people just to absorb knowledge from. Them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one, one thing that uh, that I thought really, really, I guess, springboarded my knowledge of the game was, you know, you know, Coach Saban, I think, has the best process for developing young coaches. And uh, for me, he was so open for me to learning different things. You know, my, after my first year there, even though I was a, an offensive support staff guy, uh, I wanted to learn defense because I'm thinking even though we went, you know, undefeated and won a national championship, beat Texas in 2009, I thought, you know, you know yeah, we had a great year. But when people think of Alabama, they think about great defense. Uh-huh. So I didn't know anything. You know, I really didn't. And, uh, and so, you know, he was great about letting me uh, sit in on, you know, defensive install meetings or whether it be him or Kirby up there installing the defense to the players in spring or fall camp. Um, you know, all those guys are really patient about me going and asking questions. Um, you know, this is where Coach Saban was always was, was really great about and patient about if I had a football question, you know, he would let you come and ask him anything. Mm-hmm. And he would explain it to you. And, um, and I learned so much. And then be able to go and step into Kirby Smart's office and ask him about stuff. And, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, Sal Sinceri. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the GA room, you know, we had so many good coaches go through there. Uh, you know, my first two years there, um, the defensive GA was Dan O'Brien, who's now the defensive coordinator at uh, Southern Miss. And he's been around a lot of other places. Um, Derek Ansley, who's the uh, mm-hmm. defensive coordinator of the LA Chargers, he and I sat right next to each other for two years, and, <laughs> and those guys were really great about uh, you know you know letting me ask them questions and pick their brain and, and really learn the defensive side of the ball and and uh, and it was a great opportunity for me to grow my overall knowledge and and what I would say now is for anybody that wants to be an offensive coach, you need to go learn defense. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a defensive coach, you need to go learn offense because at the end of the day how are you going to beat something if you don't really know what it is? Mm-hmm. You're not, all you're going to be is a product of a positive circumstance. And uh, you, you, you got to learn the game, yep. learn the game. And, um, and so that was an unbelievable experience. And then uh, after six years there, I went to uh, Auburn and got to learn, uh, you know, Gus's offense and his system of doing things and uh, got to work with some really good coaches, uh, JB Grimes, uh, Tim Horton, um, it was just an awesome experience. It's an awesome experience. And you look at you know, that whole journey, you know, learning from Coach Nutt and, uh, you know, how big he was on development and fundamental development, uh, working with Mike Markson, who was a great technician, and then going working for Joe Pendry and learning. Uh, you know, Joe had been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for many, many years. And, uh, you know, he had a system of rules that, that would tie in complex systems to make them simple, make them all tie together and easier to learn. And then you take, you know, Jeff Stoutland with how he you know, coached the, the defensive aspect uh, to the offensive line and his process of fundamental development. You know, Mario Cristobal was a great technician, uh-huh. um, had a great relationship and rapport with the players. And, uh, and so, you know, I took bits and pieces of kind of what I believed how I thought this should really look. And basically I would say I took the best 
of all those guys and kind of built my own philosophy. Then when mm-hmm. I got to Auburn, you know, I didn't work with the offensive line. I worked with the running backs and the fullbacks. Uh, but but I got to spend a lot of time with J.B. Grimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, matter of fact, you know, we lived in the same apartment complex, and he lived on the bottom corner of one end, and I lived on the top <laughs> corner of the, the next building over. And, and I would come home in the afternoon, and I'd take a peek over the ledge, and if I saw smoke <laughs> coming out from the back of that apartment, I knew he was out there grilling. And I would just happen to walk yeah. around there and, and we'd sit there and, and we'd sit there on his patio. We'd drink Miller Lite and I would just <laughs> absorb wisdom and knowledge. Yeah. And just pick his brain and just learn. And uh, and I would say my time spent with JB was the final piece. That was it. And um, you're really a lot of the stuff that I talked about in my clinic about how I labeled the different footwork and mm-hmm. how I yeah. categorized that, even the past sets, that's all from JB Grimes. I got that from him. And uh, and so th- that's really how I've developed. And, uh, you know, again, I got really lucky. I was around a lot of great guys that were, you know, really willing to, to teach me and, uh, and, you know, give me the opportunity and, and create an environment for me to learn and grow. And, uh, and really, that, that's why I'm at where I'm at. It's, it's, it's those people. You know, it's, it's uh, you, know, you know, Coach Nutt give me an opportunity and having, a, having a, uh, a program that let me grow as a coach. It's Coach Saban. Mm-hmm. You know, the, his program and, and how that's designed to help young coaches grow and all those people that went through uh, that program in the six years I was there. Um, and it, it that, yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was a real special opportunity for me. I'm going to try to make a joke here. They let you go to Auburn from Alabama. They allow that to happen. <laughs> well, I might've, I might've might ruined some friendships there, but uh, <laughs> But, uh, but, but yeah, that was a, that was a very interesting transition, but both were very rewarding experiences. Oh yeah. I knew I had to throw that joke. I I'm a big Nick Saban fan. That's why I have an Alabama thing hanging up. Um, people are like, Oh, you're just a bandwagoner. I'm like, no, I follow Nick Saban. I'm a fan of coaches. So I'm a fan of tons of schools. And I was like, I'm a fan of what he does. And before he even got to Alabama. So I told people to shut up and like, like I said, I've talked to people that worked for him and yeah, we worked 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., 11 p.m., but it's okay. We learned a lot. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. So I'm a big fan of Nick Saban, and that's why I have Alabama stuff up, and I do it to piss people off, too. And they're like, well, they just win, right? And I'm like, I, I grew up by Champaign-Urbana, so I'm a U of I fan first. No, Coach Bielma's doing great things. They're going to turn it around. But I'm like, we don't have championships, so I have to root for somebody. I have to get there for somebody. Um, I, I tell you, I, yeah, I, I think, yeah, I know I'm, I'm biased because because I was there for so long. But uh, the coach Saban is the best. He's the yeah. best in the business, and, and and there's a reason why he's been consistently successful. You know, there's yeah. a lot of coaches that'll win, have a couple of good winning years, a couple of bad years. There's a couple of guys that walk into jobs that are you know a product of positive circumstance. But you know, there's a reason why he's been a consistent winner. And uh, dude, his process of developing you know players from a physical standpoint, mental standpoint. Uh, fundamental standpoint, it's second to none. And, and I really got very lucky to be able to get a front row seat to see not only that process, but, you know, how you manage an organization, um, you know, from top to bottom. And I got to see that for six years. And, mm-hmm. and I was really, really lucky to be able to do that. Well, that's why this summer I went back and looked. And I'm like, it's not called culture. It's the standard and the process. So I had to go back and look at his words because I have some of the books. I had to go back and look. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to use the word. I can use the word culture, but like, what does that really mean? And that's why I was looking at the standard and how you act and, the process or, you know, uh, the mission. Yeah. yeah, and, know, and, I, yeah and I know the word culture as it, as it relates to, to athletics gets thrown around a lot, but really, 
And all that is, is, is your a series of beliefs uh-huh. that drives yep. the behaviors that get you the results that you want. Yep. And, uh, you know, some people call it your core principles and values. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people call it the process. Uh, but that, that's what it is. That's yeah. what it is. And, uh, and I, I think he's the best. Yeah. Cause the media throws that around and that's why I'm like, well, I'm not going to trust what the media says all the time. I'm going to go to the sources. So I'm like, if I go to actual coaches and like talk about it and cause during COVID, that's all it was. I was like, Oh, culture leadership. Cause in COVID you had nothing else to do. So that's, yeah. that, that's what that was. And I was the guy that threw it around. And then I don't know why, maybe cause I'm going to be 33 and I'm maturing who knows, but it just clicked. I was like, well, that's not the word. And, and you know, and you look it up and it's like, like you said, it's the core values and they all work together. All that stuff put together will lead to wins because you're doing all the right things and don't sacrifice one over the other. And then, and then it's a big thing. Like if a kid walks out of practice, how do you handle that situation? And that's the culture. I know coaches that bring guys in. Well, what, what should we do with them? Uh, don't play him. Well, wait a minute. That's our best quarterback though. Maybe we should play him. So some coaches sacrifice and that's what I've been learning. Like you can't sacrifice who you are and, and you know, like a story I tell people, I worked for a head coach here for a year in Illinois. He doesn't have the state titles, but he's one of the best because he told me when I was turning this program around, we were four and four. We won the next game and go to the playoffs. My starting quarterback uh, misses the bus and drives to the game. And I said, nope, the team rule is you're at the bus. Why did you miss? He was getting a haircut. And he's like, I missed the bus because I was getting a haircut. He goes, you ain't playing. This is my thing. You ain't playing. And they lost. He's like, I'm not sacrificing anything. Now they go eight and one every year, win the conference and get to the playoffs. Like he had to get through that, you know, that swamp part, but he's like, that's his culture. That's his standard. He's like, this is what it is. You don't like it. Don't be here. And now he gets good people. Now he gets kids playing college ball and everything else. And now kids leave to go to that school. Like, it's just, that's what you have to do. And that's what I learned. I love telling people that story and they go, that's true. And I got there for the right moment. I've seen it. So that's why now I do the same thing. I'm not a head coach, but I do it with my room. I'm like, this is the standard. I had an alignment miss today. So guess what? Tomorrow when we have a joint practice with another team, you ain't on the starting line anymore. You've got to now earn that back because that's the standard. And, and that's where the respect factor comes in. So that was Absolutely. just. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, whatever you want to call it, you know, your standard expectations, culture, whatever, you know, as long as you're consistent, you know, your players are going to know, your players are going to eventually buy in. And uh, really, that's the foundation of, of, of your program that mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite position to coach? Has it been the O-line or was it all that other, like any other position? You know, I, I, I've liked them all. You know, I, I like my time with the running backs. Uh, I, I love my time at Auburn when I was uh, helping out the fullbacks. Um you know, I love the offensive line aspect to it. I've uh, been in the quarterback room twice. You know, I like that part of it. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself an O-line guy. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of coaches like to just specialize in one position. Uh, I, I, I want to think of myself as a football guy. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to say I, I can coach anything. Um, you know, I like the game. I like, you know, I, I don't just like offense. I like defense, too. I like mm-hmm. special teams. Um, I, I, I just I love the game. I love all areas of it. Well, you're the second college coach this week to tell me about um, teaching the old linemen the defense. Like the scout guys have to understand the other team's defense, and if you don't understand it, if the coach doesn't understand it, you're going to be in big trouble. So it's very interesting because you're the second one this week. Like um, to tell me that, and I thought about and I thought about it, and you just said it again. If you understand what they're trying to do, then you understand how to attack it. 
You know, so I was, I, that was just interesting. I was like, you're the second college coach. Maybe there's something here. Maybe there's something that college coaches are doing now. Like they're, they're showing their defense. Like we're not going to learn how to block it yet. We're going to learn what technique they're doing, how they get hands on, you know, this is why they're stunting. This is why the linebacker is going here. And if you understand that, then you know how to attack it. And some don't spend that time. They just go, this is how we block it because this is how we block it. This is how we pass protect because this is how we pass protect. And so when you're on the field, they don't understand that, you know. I think a lot of coaches just say, hey, here's the rules to every play, and then we're just going to worry about the rules. I'm just coaching the rules. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not not every defense is going to line up and sit there and take it. You know, they're going to move yeah. around. They're going to try to create disruption and, and generate yep. negative plays. And, and you got to be ready for that. you got to uh, uh, be ready to adjust when needed, and your players have got to be able to um, – you know, get pre-snap reads and keys and understand when things are about to happen and when to make those adjustments, you know, versus just, Hey, they're going to line up and stay there. Now we can just run off the ball and roll. Uh, so it's, it's, it's important that you learn that side of it. Mm-hmm. That happened to me. I was a 25 year old OC at a high school. And for the first four weeks of watching film, every team was doing exactly what they were going to do on film. So I never thought about it, but I think it was week five or six. This team for five or six weeks was a odd man front team. They come to me and they turned into a 4-4, whatever. My kids panicked because I didn't practice it. Because I was like, nope, this is what they do. It got to that point. And that's when I realized I have to be able to show them what defense is going to do to stop us. Because we were a big inside zone run team. So they put more linemen up there to try to double team to free up linebackers. And my kids just panicked. And I'm like, I did not do a good job of doing that. So from then on, you know, from 25 on, I realized – I have to because I coached defense before that. I was back to offense, but I didn't do a good job of doing that. So now that's what I do too. I'm like, guys, this is think about it. We they're going to try to get separation. They're going to do this. They're going to move here because they're going to try to take it away. So we got to be prepared. It's never going to be the perfect picture of what we're about to see. And guess what? They're going to hop. They might hop into a five two for all I know. And now what are we going to do when they jump into a bear front and everything else? And so. If they, if you understand that, we understand how to block it. Yeah, we have our rules, but rules can be broken because this is how this is going to happen, and that has helped those kids out tremendously. Like I said, it's taken about two, two and a half years, but it's finally like clicking because they were sophomores and now they're seniors, and it's clicking. And so, you know, when you're young, you make those mistakes. When I get old, now that I'm older, it helps. You know, like that's why I cut my hair. There's no gray hairs. I don't want people to see it. Like that's why it's gone. Um. There was something else I was going to ask you. Oh, because I'm labeled an O-line coach because that's what I played. Coaching for 14 years, I probably coached it for seven years. I coached every position, though, being an OC. The most boring one was quarterbacks because I got tired of going out to practice saying, all right, let's throw the ball. Let's work on footwork. This is boring. I'm going to go watch the O-line. And so, like, I think it's just people don't want to coach O-line because it's too hard because it's all five guys. You're trying to get it all working together. Because people will straight up be like, I'm not coaching O-line. Like, that's how I've gotten jobs in the suburbs, was going from central Illinois, moving to the burbs. That's what it is. That's what gets me in is, we need an O-line guy. We need an O-line guy. And I may have to do it for the rest of my life, but I love it. But people people don't understand everything. Like, it's an unnatural position. You're trying to get all five guys to do something at one time. And the moment you notice something's wrong, you're going to coach it that way. And And they're like, what do you mean? Well, when that receiver runs a wrong route, but you don't throw it that way, do you even pay attention that he ran the wrong route? Oh, you're right. I'm like, lineman, if he misses a block or goes the wrong way and the quarterback gets killed, guess who gets yelled at? I do. 
<laughs> you know? And they're like, so I get to a point sometimes, I'm like, can we switch? I'll go do our receivers or whoever you guys do O-line. Let's switch and see what happens. No, no, I'm good. You know, so I'm labeled the O-line coach because I think there is a shortage of them because people don't do it no more. Yeah. You know? You know, the, the, of course, the, all, all the positions that touch the ball are, are going to be the most popular. Oh, yeah. The quarterback you know, has the ball all the time and, and then the running backs, receivers, all that stuff. Um, so I think that usually those positions always get the most attention and, um, you know, the people that want to do that the most. Um, and, and one of the things that, uh, that does kind of suck about, you know, always being in an O-line position is, you know, most people you know, will only hire coordinators that have been quarterback coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, or head coaches that have only been coordinators, and 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 so it's it's, it's sometimes you can get kind of typecast, and, and I think uh, a lot of O line coaches get uh, you know um, an unjust perception that hey all they know is the front seven, that's it, that's all they can that's all they can teach. Uh, that's not always the case, no, because you, know, you see some guys that uh, uh, are at other skill positions that don't understand the big picture, that mm-hmm. are not great play callers, and then guys that are coordinators. You know, sometimes they don't transition to be great head coaches. You know, I, I think that uh, that that's the only negative part about always just getting stuck in, a, in an O line job. But uh, um, but I love it, man. I, you know, it all that saying it all starts up front. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. It all starts up front. Well, I go. Who touches the ball first? Oh, the center. There you go. Like we always touch the ball first. Um, because it used to be O line guys were like head coaches or OCs, and then it kind of when the bread thing kind of came around or I guess more popular Then it became quarterback coaches that wear the visor. Now I wear a visor cause I want my head to get a little tan, but like they're always wearing the visor. I always give them shit. I'm like, you guys are wearing the visor. I'm wearing the bucket hat down there. Like, you know who I am. Um, but that's why I like coach Pittman at Arkansas. He's like the old line guy. That's the head coach at Arkansas. I'm like, love that. Love that. There's an old line guy being a head coach and, so I watch Arkansas even more now again because of that. Or, or Coach Bielma, I love him at Illinois because he played that. He That's what he does. And I love it. And, and then I was like, do you notice how much organized people are when they were O-line coaches? Now they're like the coordinator head coach. No offense to the other guys. But the dynamic of them and how organized they are and everything, that's because that's how the O-line group is. And that's how it works. And like I said, I love it all. I'll coach any position. I've done it. Love it. Uh, that's why I love being the run game guy because I can help out running backs. I can help out the mesh points of quarterbacks. I can help out tight ends. and But like during individual, it's O-line. But I love how organized that we all are. Even though I wish I could bring that into my own life at home. But like outside of home, I'm pretty organized. When I'm at home, I just throw stuff everywhere. I'm like, well, I know where it is though. You know, it's like a garage. You just throw stuff in there. But I know where it is. I'll go get it when I need it. And that's just how we are, I think. Yeah, you know, the, 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 I guess the uh... – the common, the common characteristic of really good offensive line coaches is that they're detailed. Mm-hmm. Because you have to, if you're not detailed. Something's going to go wrong. Of course, the game, mm-hmm. and uh, and so, um, and I think that all, all all the the best coordinators that I've been around, that's what they are. They are yeah. detailed. Yeah. And uh, and so, uh, but yeah. No, I because every year I'm going to type up like who we are as old linemen and all that stuff. And it's very detailed. I have drills. I help out our position coaches and it's all drills for running backs and, and how the run game goes. And I realized, Oh my God, why is this 17 pages? Oh, wait a minute. Because I'm, I'm explaining everything in full detail and it's like 17 pages. But then our head coach said that he goes, but you're an old line coach. Or and I'm like, 
I take that as a compliment though, or I have to wear a different shirt sometimes. They go, well, we figured out old line coaches don't have to listen and follow the rules. And I was like, you're damn right. We don't have to. I'm going to go do my own thing. <laughs> We're in our own little, I call it the promised land where the old linemen go. Like it's the promised land down there. Uh, but we start to get special treatment. We get our, we we're the only group that's going to get t-shirts because we're going to make them special. We're the only ones I give extra water breaks to because we are special. Uh, we're not going to run because we're special, but we'll have other things. So it's just, I don't mean to keep running up the old line thing. It's just when I first started this podcast, that's when I realized there's no old line coaches. I started to realize it and I'm like, we're a rare breed, I guess. So that's why I love talking to old line coaches because we are like a rare breed of of individuals because we're all different. We all have a few screws missing a little bit. We're all high energy. We're all very detailed and, you know, uh, and we don't need a lot of equipment to practice with either. I realized that the other day they were like, what equipment do you need? Uh, give me the cones and the shoot. Uh, That's all I need. Do you have hand shields? Yeah, that's what I need. Oh, you don't need this, 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 and this. I was like, fuck your agile bags. I don't need that. (laughs) Um, I guess to, to slowly wrap it up, what, what kind of run game would you guys hang your hat on down there? Like, like what, what were you guys going to base in down there? Uh, we're, we're typically a zone team, okay. um, you know, uh, inside zone, inside zone variations, outside zone, uh, outside zone variations, um, you know, split inside, tight inside, tight in wing. Uh, that's kind of our bread and butter. And we'll, we'll mix it up with uh, some gap scheme stuff. Um, but uh, that, that's kind of from an identity standpoint, the run game, that's who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, now is it outside zone or wide zone? Cause I got yelled at when I researched this. I don't know if you know that there's like a camp cause it's my second year doing wide zone. I remember researching. I'm like, okay, how do you run outside zone? And the guy was like, no, 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 no. What are you doing here? Are you doing wide zone or outside zone? And I was like, what's the difference? Is it stretch? And they're like, nope. <laughs> I was like, okay, sorry, my bad. So we, we actually have all three. Uh, okay. We'll have the tight zone, which is the tight A-gap entry. Yeah, entry. Yeah. We'll have the mid zone, which is the B-gap entry. We'll have the wide zone, which is the C-gap uh, type entry stuff. And we do have our full stretch plays where we're totally committed to getting the ball in the perimeter. We have all those. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we have uh, – I would say uh, our zone run game uh, is very comprehensive. And yeah. then all the, you know, the reads and different ways you can create the reads – uh, off of that, whether it be the end man, the midline, uh, zone insert, all we, we have all that. Yeah. Um, I got yelled at for that. And it was kind of like asking a run and shoot guy for the pass protection. They're like, we can't tell you because we lose our card in the run and shoot. They're like, we'll give you all the routes, but we can't tell you how we run block or pass protect. Like we will literally lose our card. And I'm like, really? Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, and then I ask an air raid coach their concept. Like, oh, here you go. Like, wh- whatever. I'm like, oh, you air raid guys are much nicer than than the run and shoot guys, you know. Um, so when you guys are running the zone stuff, does like your inside zone or the mid zone, does footwork change? Does any of this, that part change? Or- yeah, sure. So if we're tight zone, uh, t- typically, you know, hey, we're working, ver- we're trying to get vertical push. Mm-hmm. You know, the the anchor in the back is going to be, uh, the play side hip of the center. So it's a tight a gap entry. Mm-hmm. And so we want the line to mirror the entry point of the back, right? So we're going to be, we're looking for vertical push mm-hmm. and uh, mid zone. The B gap entry is going to be a little bit more, um, a little bit more lateral footwork, working power angles, right? Okay. Trying to work angles. Cause again, the, at the point of entry for the back and the whole line, they've got to match. They got to marry up. Then obviously the wide zone stuff, 
uh, with our aim point is the butt of the ghost tied in or yeah. tied into his game. Uh, obviously, that's going to be you know full bucket trying to get the head outside, outside number dry block. And again, because that matches the path of the back. Okay. Because yeah, I want to run inside zone at the guard, but mm-hmm. I'm dealing with high school kids. And so when they start to aim there, what do they want to do? Though They start aiming towards the C gap or the D gap. And I'm like, well, now you have no protection because we're trying to get downhill-ish. So now I have to overcompensate and aim for the center, and then I quickly realize as I start doing that, this is actually mid zone, and it's not in like the zone, the other zone anymore. But I overcompensate, but that's exactly how it is. We're double team, we're getting vertical, and we're trying to get downhill as quickly as possible. And then for our wide zone, I can't even bucket step. I just turn and go. I tell them to point the toe and go. You know, aim for the play side number. I don't bucket step, and I'd rather do that because I want to get in front of them as quickly as possible. Um, and then when I first learned it, and you could yell at me, I said, I don't want to lose ground to gain ground. And I got yelled at pretty quickly. They're like, that's not what it is. Like, you're not losing ground to gain ground. It could look that way, but you're taking these steps to get in the proper position. And that's when I really started to open up of, like, aiming points. And, like, it was almost like geometry of how things fit together and work together. And that's when I – that was my school of, like, learning. Because I was always a gap scheme. Then I learned the zone. I was like, oh, this is a different world. And I got to make sure things fit and naturally. And and the footwork matches up. And, and so I try to keep footwork the same for my inside zone stuff. But then when you get to wide zone and stuff, it has to change. And so that's why I was curious. I was like, because I keep it simple. I'm stupid simple. I'm like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then this guy stay the same. So so how, how I typically teach it. And, and a lot of guys will actually debate, hey, do you need both tight zone and mid zone? Some guys say, hey, just pick one or the other, and, and that way it cuts back on the teaching. But uh, I think there's a lot of value in having all three. And I uh-huh. think at some point throughout the season, you're going to enter the game plan process and say, hey, well, this is a little bit better you know, uh, you know, run presentation than, than the other. Uh, but basically how I teach it to keep guys vertical, you know, that it's all about the first step, right? That's yeah. kind of what's going to keep your hips and shoulders square. You know, your first step is what I call a combo step, right? It's six inches up and out, yeah. right? And you drive the second step, you know, vertical – that keeps you square. That keeps the vertical push, right? So that's all the tight zone stuff, right? Now, to work your power angle, that first step is a lateral step. Mm-hmm. Six inches to the side. It's not going up the field. You drive the second step. That gets you on the power angle. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, the wide zone is is just that what I call full bucket. And, and it's literally six inches out and back. So that way your hips and shoulders open. Mm-hmm. And then you stick off the ball, that front foot, drive the second step through the crotch of the defender, and then create you know that outside number drive block, and then try to square up on the third and try to fight to get vertical push. Yeah, yeah. Wide zone, we we push the world away, and I get them to step at this angle and just go. We don't. I don't. I may have to try that, but like I'm dealing with linemen that can just turn and go, and I'm like, that's what we're gonna do. You know, I have to adjust to that. And I do exactly what you do on mid zone. It's boom, boom. Like we're taking that quick step here, boom, right into the crotch. You know, we're getting our flipper arm into them and we're going and double teaming because we want double teams all over the place so we can get downhill as quickly as possible. But depending on how they line up, it sometimes is mid zone. If that's all, like as soon as the runback sees it's done, he aims here. So I guess we kind of do both, I guess. Okay. But I'm an idiot. So however it works, it, <laughs> because I got to deal like, High school kids, I got to look at it. And if they can't do that footwork, I may tell one player to change his footwork, which makes my life harder because then I watch film. I'm like, why is he doing different? Oh, because I told him to do something different because he's got to get to that same point. And 
yeah, it's college guys. I, I envy you sometimes. I'm like, oh, I got to deal with what I deal with. Um, I guess you guys have the transfer portal now to freaking deal with. That, that, oh, yeah. Oh, I feel yeah, bad for you guys. Oh, because I was talking to a coach the other day, and he's like, I won't say who it is. It's like a college. He's like, I had guys leave. He got four out of the transfer portal, and he goes, I'll ask my support staff. I was never more exhausted talking to these guys left and right and trying to get them here. And now he's like, they're junior seniors. I've got to teach them how we do it. You know, they got to fit into what we do, and it makes life harder to do that. Like, and one thing I found that the, the older the players get, the harder it is to break those technique habits. Uh huh. You know, if they've done it a certain way for so long. You know, they develop that muscle memory. Um, they just naturally do it, and it's really harder to get older guys to break those habits. And and uh, you know, for, for what we do here, we. We, we stick to the old formula. We, we want to get high school guys and you know, the best high school guys that we can, that we can get that want to be here. And, and we develop them, mm-hmm. we develop them to play the way we want them to play. And, and, uh, and it's to help, you know, avoid getting in those, you know, issues where you have to try to change an older guy and, and all that. You kind of answer that. Cause I asked some people like, do you still recruit high school the same as you did before? Cause of this transfer portal. And it's, it's kind of hit or miss. They go, yeah, we still go to high schools and everything else, but it's just, if a kid leaves at the last second, then immediately we can't look at the high school kid. We got to go look at the portal, but they're still looking at the high school kid, um, or or they're looking at a different college. Like if they go in the transfer portal because they went to a college one year, Division One AA, or it's Division Two, II, Division Three. We look at that, and they're young. They were a freshman, now they're sophomore. Now we can still get them to do what we need to do. But if they're a fifth year senior, like you said, they came from a up tempo, we're just going to run these two plays, and they come to a different place. Now we got to learn all this new stuff. You're not going to. It's going to be hard to get them to. When when shit hits the fan, they're going to go back to what they know. Right. We never want to recruit a guy just to be an extra body. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know that that typically just is not going to work out, especially the one year guys. You always want to have some years to work with them and to develop them to some degree. Yeah. Uh, so that way they kind of fit what what your identity is and and all that. Yeah, that's what I've been – I don't trust the media on anything anymore, so I go straight to the sources, and that's what people tell me. And, you know, I, I like I like going to the source. But, yeah, but some don't feel bad for you college coaches because they're like, oh, they make this money. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just adding – it's a it's a new experience. It's a positive – try to make it a positive thing. But I'm like, I feel bad because now you guys are constantly on campus. You're constantly having to, like, talk to kids and, and stuff like that. And I'm like – you still get to do what you love, but you're just adding more on top of what you guys have to do. And I'm like, I'm thinking of it from a coach perspective and I'm like supporting coaches and I'm like, no, like that's just more on top of it. I mean, it's going to balance itself out soon, but like for right now, just getting through the thick of it. Like, so you answered the question, I guess, but I just feel bad for you guys. Sometimes like you guys have to get through the thick of it right now, dealing with everything NIL, which is great, but then the transfer portal on top of it. And, you know, how do you keep kids? And what happens when you try to keep a kid and they leave? Like, do you take that personally and say, what did I do wrong? And all that stuff. And, you know, but you got to keep moving forward. And Well, at the end of the day, if, if, you know, you have a great relationship with your players and they know that you care about them, and they know that you're trying to do what's best for them and that, that the way you do things can help them get to where they want to be, you know, a lot of times you're going to be able to keep them. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's some circumstances that, that you're not, you know, kid comes to you and say, Hey, it's my dream school. I've always wanted to play here. Well, yeah. Or, you know, 
if, if somebody's offering them more money and all that crap, then all right, it is what it is. You know, there's nothing you can do about it. But, you know, one thing that um, the threat of the portal um, has done is put a more sense of urgency to get those younger guys developed mm-hmm. and uh, get those, get those, even though they're a, quote, backup, you know, you need to play them. You need to put them in meaningful snaps of games so that they develop and get experience. So that way, if, you know, you lose a guy in the portal or you lose a guy early to the draft, then, uh, you know, your next man up is already a developed, experienced player. Right. And that kind of will alleviate some of the pressure um, of, uh, of of those situations. Right. Well, Coach, I took a lot of your time. I appreciate you being here, you know, especially because you guys are going to be in the thick of it with your season soon. But I appreciate you coming right off your vacation to hop on and talk to a nobody coach up in Illinois somewhere. I appreciate uh, hey, it. Hey, uh, there, taste of, there, there is no such thing as a nobody coach. <laughs> you know, any, any, seriously, man, anytime people, you know, in, in, invest in, in young people's lives, no matter what age it is, I, th- I think those people are special. I really do. And and because you never know the impact that you're going to have on your players. I mean, you're really not. And, uh, you know, um, man, I, I just – I love talking to coaches, love talking to ball, man. I really appreciate you. You'll let me come on and, and visit with you. Uh, it's been fun, man. I really appreciate it. Nope, thank you. And I do all three sports. I forgot to say, I do all three, football, basketball, baseball. So I am literally nice. – oh, So hey, you're busy year-round. My fiance is starting to hate it a little bit. <laughs> One of them I'm going to have to give up at some point. One of them I'm going to have to be gone. Because <laughs> she's like, wait, you got to do you gotta do what? I'm like, yeah, see now, ya. Now, of, now, of the three sports, which is your least favorite? Or do you not want to answer that yet? It's baseball. I don't really care. I did, I did track, okay. then I switched to baseball. It is baseball. Now, I love it. Okay. It's the easiest one. I don't care who knows it. It's the easiest one to coach. You know, that's the, where I'm most, my most relaxed is baseball. But if I have to give one up, it's going to be baseball. Like, it goes in order. Football's favorite, basketball's second favorite, baseball's the third. So I'm like, it's gone. <laughs> don't you worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be gone. But no, I appreciate you so much. Thanks, coach.